Welcome to the Wheelhouse Podcast. Andrew, we are officially in the postseason. How are you doing, man? This felt like two weeks. It felt like a month <laughs> waiting for this whole thing. Well, when we stopped recording, the DeMar Hamlin thing had started taking off, and it just felt like a, I mean, it felt like an eternity this week. I didn't even know if we were going to have a week 18 to talk about at some point during this week, but we managed to get one out of this. So that's, I'm more, I'm more just glad that it's over. Honestly, the regular season is starting to become a slog at the end there. Did you, what, did you think they were going to cancel the rest of the, of the season or like, or no, I thought they were going to push it back. I'll push it back. You know, in an ideal world, they would, I feel like they should. Right. But you got TV contracts and all this business. It, Yeah. It doesn't feel like that would happen, but it almost kind of felt like not like 9-11, but almost like 9-11 where like, you know, we skipped a whole week. If you remember that, uh, it, it was a big moment for sure. It's crazy to think about. It. it does feel like a long time. Like you said, last time when we spoke, it was happening in real time as we were recording. And, uh, you know, the good news right now is that he's back in Buffalo recovering. So he, he left Cincinnati today. So things are going well for Hamlin. So that, that it's, it was really cool to see that this weekend too. Uh, all the teams around the league, you know, um, having well wishes for him. So, uh, but Andrew, before we get into our, our normal awards and our, uh, and our lines for the week, instead of what we learned this week, I think we should talk about some of these firings. Um, we usually have a Black Monday right after the regular season. This wasn't quite uh, a bloody one, but I do think there was two significant firings, even with how few there were. Let's talk about the Texans real quick. So they win the last game of, of the season, and Lovey Smith immediately gets fired. Um, it doesn't feel very fair, does it? No, but neither does their strategy to try to get the number one overall pick. And, right. And Lovey decided to drain one more buzzer beater before he pieced out the door. So <laughs> that that honestly doesn't surprise me that his team was trying to win on Sunday and that they were continuing to, to compete. They were always competing. They just weren't good. Like that, we, we knew that. I think everyone saw that on tape. But, I mean, it, it's just kind of hilarious that they went through all that painstaking process at the end just to get the number two overall pick and not and relinquish it to the Chicago Bears, Lovey's former team. I mean, they might as well start building a statue for Lovey Smith outside of Soldier Field, like right now, considering what he just contributed to that city. Right. So let's take let's take a step back here for a minute. I think we should remind people Nick Casario. Uh, there was concerns he might get fired. The ownership stood by him, so it looks like he's safe for now. They fired Jack Easterby. You recall a, a couple months ago, I want to say now, kind of very quietly. They got rid of Jack Easterby, who you and I made fun of a lot a couple years ago <laughs> when he got hired initially. So it does seem like they're kind of reforming. And I, I don't know if you recall this or not, but I was reminded of this today. They initially wanted to hire Flores a couple years or a year ago, but then that lawsuit stuff happened. So I don't know. Maybe keep your eye open for that if, if they're able to get him. Maybe that's who comes to, to Houston. As far as that first pick overall, I do want to ask because we're, you know, one game away right now. Georgia's whooping TCU. Boom, boy. Um, I do want to ask you, I, I know Bryce Young, I, you and I both like him a lot, but do you really think that he would have changed Houston that much or is Houston, 
I, I don't know. Is it that big of a deal, you think, that they dropped the two versus one? So here's my thing about it. And this this is a legit question I think every franchise has to ask itself. If you were in the number one spot position, let's say you were in the number one spot, would you draft the quarterback that is currently at that time at the top of the draft over the guy that you currently have at that moment? And the reason I say this is because every single year, one of the narratives that keeps coming out about the number one pick is, are, are, is somebody going to trade down and not take the quarterback that's currently there? And usually what that indicates to me is either A, the team is already situated at the position, or B, they don't have a quarterback themselves and they're not enticed by the options that are available. There's not very many times where I think somebody deserves to go number one overall, even at the quarterback position, despite how important it is. I think there are, you know, there are generational prospects we've had, obviously, the most recent being Trevor Lawrence. It made sense that the Jags this year, for example, if they wanted to trade down, I think they absolutely could have because they already had their guy. Right. right? Like right. they didn't, they, they, I think were probably one of the most, uh, they were the most likely candidates in recent memory that could have done that. But I think for most teams, they can't afford that luxury. And so for me, it's a matter of do you take the guy that's right there and then, or do you wait and try to find someone else if you're really not in love with somebody? Like, I think, in my opinion, this the number one overall pick this year is going to probably be Bryce Young, but I'm not sure if that's necessarily um, something that the. I mean, with the Bears, the thing is that they have to evaluate: is Justin Fields a lesser option than Bryce Young? And now I'm not even sure if that's. I think that's a legit question to start having. I don't know if they can answer that question. So the Texans, I'm not sure how much they're really missing out on. Now, this were Caleb Williams, who's going to be coming right. next year. <laughs> I think they absolutely would entertain the option of taking him and dumping fields. I really believe that. Like, I think that's, in my opinion, I think that's, in my opinion, that's an upgrade. All the Bears fans could freak out about that, but I think that's absolutely an upgrade. But that's that's the question I think teams have to ask themselves when they're in that position. Like, is the guy that we're about to get going to be better than the option that we currently have? And, I mean, for the Texans, of course, Bryce Young is an up upgrade because they have nothing. But I don't know if that's the best thing for them as a team building. Like, they're, in my opinion, they're more like the Detroit Lions two years ago. They need to get a coach in there that they know is going to be around for the long haul and they need to start building the roster because they just – they really just don't have anything. So, okay. The McCaskey family hires Andrew Murray to run the bears. What, I, what do you do? Do you, do you try to trade that pick to get more assets? Do you just take, do you just take Bryce Young and try to trade uh, your current quarterback? What do you do, Andrew? I mean, unless the bears are, are really, really infatuated with some of the options at the top of the draft, like, you know, if if they if they really like what like want a defensive lineman for example or an offensive lineman that they're really infatuated with, I think they should consider trading down. But again, it's a matter of does another team want to trade up and go after someone like Bryce Young or I guess Will Levis, even though I don't believe he deserves to be that high. I don't know. It's it's a complicated question. I would try to see what I can get if there's anything that's on the table that's worth worth trading away. Because if you really believe in Fields, then or if you don't think that there's a better option to replace them with this year, then yeah, I, I, I consider the options just a matter of what teams are offering me. And also again, to see if any teams are even interested in doing it. But I think that's always a telling sign to see how much people are trying to offer up. Like, I mean, 
and for some cosmically bizarre reason two years ago, like the Jags were like, we don't want to take Trevor Lawrence. Oh my God. Every team in the league would be trying to like trade up for right. that. Right. And right. that's, uh, I think that's the difference here. I'm not sure. It'll, we'll, we'll have to find out through the draft evaluation process and all the scouting and the you know, senior bowl combines, all that workouts, all that stuff. If that kind of interest is there. So I, I would try to trade down, but I don't know if it's possible. I think it is. And here's why, like you're saying, I think there are some teams that are maybe picking a little lower or in the middle rounds that they might view price young long-term as a better solution than their current quarterback. Right. So uh, there's, there's quite a few teams with assets this year. Maybe these are teams that trade up or maybe they just have to wait. Right. Like Seattle has like what, like the number three pick this year. They might just have to sit and wait and get somebody, you know? So I think being patient is probably the right answer. Here's a wild scenario for you. Let's say you're the Bears. You you really like Bryce Young, right? But you have fields. What if you just stay patient? What if you find out or we learn Lamar Jackson doesn't want to stay in Baltimore? Who's going to really want Justin Fields now? Hmm. So stuff like that can happen. I think the answer is just don't say what you're going to do and just wait because stuff's going to present itself, right? Like everybody told the Texans you got to trade Deshaun, and what did they do? They, they just sat and waited, and they got a lot of picks from the Browns, right? So that kind of paid off. Um, let's switch gears to uh, one of our favorite teams, the Cardinals. Andrew, they they fire Kingsbury. Kime, quote unquote, steps down. They would have fired his ass, I think. Uh, assess for me what what's going on in Arizona. I mean, they essentially are paying millions to a coach and a GM to sit on their couches. That's, they just that's resigned how- everybody. It's insane. <laughs> it's a malpractice, man. <laughs> I mean, they really seemed like they were gun ho to do it, but I and and also there was a report that came out today that apparently they're going to let Kyler Murray factored into the next hiring process. I have absolutely no idea what wait, wait, in the wait. world they're saying they're going to let him be part of the hiring process. Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> so I guess Cliff wasn't the guy after all. If that didn't work, then I don't know what will. So I. I am mystified as to what direction oh this this franchise have, which doesn't appear to be any yeah, at the moment. It's stupid. pretty, it's pretty bewildering. I, I I'm actually surprised that he even got fired today because I thought he would actually get kept on for another year just because of the payout. Yeah, but they that's clearly see they they clearly seem to not think that way. But man, that's that's a that, that's the kind of stuff that literally turns you into a, a property franchise if you're paying out like a coach that much of his contract that, and, and GM that you just resigned. Like that's cash down the toilet that you did not have any foresight of, of thinking that would be allocated in a proper way. So I got to ask you if you can recall, where did you hear this report about Kyler might be part of the hiring process? Cause to me, that is, I, I mean, that is just two plus two equals fish. If you ask me, I, saw it as there was a there was a reporter that that put it out there i have to go i i will have to go dig it up again but as soon as i do i'll i'll i will let you know yeah that's that's fine i just think that would be crazy i mean i mean i think you're going to agree with me but i mean if you're making these moves you're you're firing cliff you, the gm is gone let's put it like that to me it feels like whoever you bring in 
it either that person wants Kyler or you're trading him and you're just starting over. Uh, but then he also he seems untradeable to me. I mean, he seems untradeable to me. I mean, that contract is pretty big. He's coming off. Uh, remind me of his injury again. Is it ACL? Yeah, I torn ACL. Yeah, coming off of that kind of injury, so that's hindering his best skill as a player. It just just seems, I don't know. Oh, I okay. So you know, actually, it came straight from you know where this report came from. Where? It came straight from the owner's mouth. Michael Bidwell oh, said it no. in a press conference. He 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 legit said it. Oh my god. I thought it was just a report. No, it actually came straight out of his mouth from a press conference. Jesus Christ, Andrew. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, well, hey, look, if uh, we want to bet against somebody for the next couple of years, now we have our team, I guess. God, what a, what a fucking idiot. All right, I, I think I've had enough of the Cardinals, Andrew. Unless you have anything else to say, I'd rather go to the awards and have some fun here. Well, I hope Cliff enjoys his nice posh house that he apparently bought when he moved there, so he can enjoy that now. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be the Patriots' offensive coordinator, maybe. <laughs> Probably, I, that actually would be, I think, a good decision. But anyway, uh, let's move on to the awards. Andrew Joe Harris Award. I think this is probably one of the most fun ones we've given out in quite a while. Uh, it's Naheem Hines, Bills running back, special teams. Uh, yeah, all this stuff with Demar Hamlin's been really uh, awful, right? I don't know how, how much. Worse, I can describe it, but uh, at the opening kickoff, he returns the the kickoff for a, a touchdown. The place goes nuclear. Ends up having a second touchdown, Andrew, on the day. Total of 235 yards on special teams. Insane. Fucking insane. Yeah. It's like Hollywood stuff. Like, you couldn't have written it better for a movie. Yeah, I'm... I I was getting goosebumps from watching that, like that just seeing just seeing that live was incredible. I cannot believe that would actually happen in the first play of the game, and it was honestly it was such a breath of fresh air for that for that team, that city, that community, really for football and all in general. I think it was just it was great to see at the expense of the Patriots, but I think all. <laughs> I, I think the entire – I think for some people that might have even added to it. But for the entire league, it was great to see. And Naheem Himes, I've always really liked him. He was on the Colts for several years. Really good backup running back behind Marlon Mack, behind Jonathan Taylor. Always really did a good job running – not only running out of the backfield, but he also caught a lot of passes as well. Just really solid multi-purpose running back. I think in this offense, his role is maybe a little more limited because they already have – a rookie in James Cook. They have Devin Singletary, but he's, I mean, he's talented and it's great to see him supply such an immense emotional, impactful moment for the city and for the, for the team. It's really great to see that. I'm, I'm happy for him and I'm happy for them that this happened. Yeah. I'm sure you weren't too broken up that happened against the Patriots, Andrew. No, no, uh, <laughs> no. Hey, look, a midseason trade that really paid off for Buffalo uh, in this game. So, Kudos to Naheem Himes. Um, yeah, like you said, it was place went fucking nuclear. So it was it was awesome to see on TV. Uh, Mike Lennon Award, Andrew. There was a lot of candidates this year with uh, you know teams uh, benching their starters and whatnot, but uh, 
saw Matt Breida played for the Giants, didn't even know he was in the league, and, uh, you know, another classic uh, who he played for. So Matt Breida, running back for the Giants. It really is a shame that Breida couldn't survive the 49ers depth chart. I mean, he would have reaped the rewards of being in that Shanahan offensive system, but it just never really quite connected for him. I, I'm, I, I'm happy. I mean, at least, you know, he's at least on a playoff team. I'll give him that. But I, I think I did see his name floating around earlier, earlier in the year, but I didn't really pay much attention to it. But yeah, he, he's still around, man. Uh, he's, he's been on a couple of different teams, obviously 49ers, Miami. He was on Buffalo last year. He just keeps bouncing around, but I'm glad to see him. I always like to call him the Brita filter. <laughs> so if you get a nickname, at least that means I, I at least remember you. The filter for five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that would be awesome. Someone did that. Uh, Bold Strategy Cotton Award. It's kind of amazing. I think this is the first time he's been on this award this year. But uh, it's Andy Reid and his uh, carousel play that uh, embarrassed the Raiders. But honestly, is uh, one of the more clever plays I've seen in a while. When you think, you know, you've seen everything. Hey, here's a new one. Um, yeah. W- what do you think of it? I mean, this is just an example of being puppet mastered by this entire operation. This entire Chiefs offense just completely toys with people, man. I mean, they're playing ring around the rosy, break into a play, and then it's a trick formation and ends up in a touchdown. Like, what are you supposed to do? I mean, how demoralizing is that as a team to have that happen against you? But it's just because they can get away with that stuff. Like they've been doing this, they've been doing this for years, and they keep doing crazy stuff like that. It's like that weird play in the Super Bowl when they had like the spinning backfield formation and then they ran a play out of it. And it was like two running backs and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they just, they do wild stuff like this all the time. And it was just one of the silliest things I've ever seen <laughs> in an NFL game. But I mean, they're having fun and they clearly deserve that fun because they have the one, number one overall seed now. So you can do stuff like that when you play that well and you have Patrick Mahomes. I thought, I kind of thought it was almost a, a waste to use it on the Raiders, like save it for the playoffs when you kind of need like a, you kind of need a trick play, right? Or you kind of need to surprise the the opponent because I imagine that's got to be really hard to prepare for because you don't know how they're going to line up. You, you might not really be able to catch the personnel groupings, right? Because they just kind of run up and run the play. Uh, yeah, really, really, really clever move. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll use it again, but I, I kind of feel like now that we've seen it once, maybe not. Yeah. And the one other thing I'll say is I want to know what the terminology for that play was. Yeah, like, yeah. What, do they, what do they call it in the playbook? <laughs> yeah. What's the name of this play? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have to see. I'll have to go back in the liner notes to see if anyone asked him that. But I would love to know the answer. Yeah, that's a that's a good question there. Yeah, we got to look into that. That's that's good. Uh, Cabo Joe West, there really weren't any egregious calls. We were kind of struggling to find one. Uh, the only one I thought was just kind of funny, not egregious, was uh, Ron Tobert in the Ravens and Bengals game. Joe Mixon scores a touchdown, and he brings out the coin out of his sock and flips it. Uh, the play is not flagged. If you recall, and you brought this up, the Panthers were flagged for uh, you know celebration of throwing their helmet off. Uh, was that against the Falcons, I believe, uh, a couple months ago now? And they flagged that. So the inconsistency kind of bothers me there. But, uh, Andrew, you, you care to explain what the meaning of the coin flip is? Um, it means this team's winning and we don't care. But um, <laughs> um, I, I guess the, I think it was kind of a running theme of the entire weekend that the refs just didn't want to get in the way. And I think for the most part they didn't. But for the, for the coin flip, I mean, the reason that he did that is because there was going to be a coin flip to determine 
which team hosted after the game. If I believe if the Ravens won, uh, if I'm not mistaken, right. correct? That's correct. If the Ravens had won, they'd have to do a coin flip to determine which team was going to host the playoff game the following week. Uh, obviously, that never came to fruition. Obviously, Joe, the Mixon, Mixon, and the Bengals were essentially their own coin, so they didn't have to worry about that. But yeah, I, I understand like the inconsistency and in not calling on sportsman like penalties. I mean, we've already had shenanigans like you know To pulling a sharpie out of his sock and autographing a football and handing it to a fan. You know, you're not allowed to have props. Right. And you're, right. And that's that's the thing. That's like a direct like that's like a uniform violation too. So I don't understand. I I I, I guess. I don't know. The refs were just out to lunch or just getting a going to the cooler on that one. I don't know. But that's that is it, it's it's interesting that that wasn't called. I think a lot of the refs went one, two, three Cancun week 18. I think they're ready to get out of here and go on vacation. So. Uh, you know, every any time a prop is used, it does remind me of the main culprit. He's going to be remembered for this forever. Joe Horn and the cell phone. Hit. Oh, yeah. I want to say oh. it was 2001, 2002. Uh, and he, do you know who he called? Uh, wasn't it like his dad? It was, I think it was Dion Sanders. If memory serves right. He called Dion. <laughs> oh, it was, two, it was uh, 2003. Yeah. You know, December 14th, 2003. <laughs> uh, I, 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 they didn't even know what to do. The refs. <laughs> I think what's I think what's what tickles me so much is that it's a flip phone. I so know. It's like it's also it's like a it's like a it's like a relic of its era. I know. Try try to explain that to like your niece or nephew or your, some younger relative or something. Like man, that that's a funny that's a funny uh, yeah, super funny. I always remember that. And I kind of feel like that was the uh, the main culprit for the celebration business. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, now we're gonna we're gonna fortunately go a little sideways here, Andrew. The Anthony Lynn Express Award. There was a lot of good candidates this year, but or not this year, but uh, this past weekend. But I, I feel like we have to we have to give it to Belichick and the Patriots. That was that was fucking terrible. He's supposed to be this special teams guru, right? Allows two touchdowns, one in the opening, one later in the game, and he has a defensive coordinator and a special teams coach. You know, maybe they could have used a special teams coach on special teams coordinating the offense, which, you know, they were they kind of were keeping par for a little while. And then, you know, Mac Jones just late. What it was two interceptions in the fourth quarter or something like that. I mean, it was just terrible. Uh, yeah, that it was awful, man. He was he was conducting the train for sure. I I mean, this was the ultimate I can do what I want. I don't care season from Bill. Yeah. You can say, I don't like, I mean, it, it, there's no, there's no legitimate explanation for this. None. There's no, there's no alibi that he can get for this. Neither, neither does he care to, cause that's just not what's in Bill's blood, but like you got to hold him to a standard. I don't care if, who, how many Super Bowls he's won. If you're going to do this, like it's, it's malpractice. It would get anyone else fired. Like this is not something that you can just do because even if you have that much notoriety, I don't care. You know, and I get he's gotten away with a lot of stuff, but this is this is ridiculous. And I feel bad. Like I said, I'm on the record as saying I feel bad for Mac Jones. He, yeah, definitely. He got in the short end of the stick. He was developing fine last year. He's a serviceable, good mid-tier starting quarterback in this league. He should not be dealing with this. Like this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. He should not have. He has. There's no right for him to be given this kind of staff to try and moderate his success in this league, especially in the second year. Look. If they had had legitimate coaching at offensive coordinator, they're probably in the uh, in the wild card right now. Yeah, they were in I the wild so. card slot. They they had it. Look, they actually could have gotten in with a win, 
you know, there's some games in the past. I'm sure, I'm sure, had they had a legitimate offensive coordinator, they probably win those games. And we're not having this discussion. I, I think Belichick needs to take a page out of his buddy's playbook, Nick Saban, and and I think you know this better than me. You know, those a couple of years they really struggled on offense, and then he kind of started outsourcing it a little bit, right? He hires Lane Kiffin, he hires different guys to come in for a little bit, help the offense, you know, kind of come back to the 21st century. And Alabama, you know, in the last couple of years, they, they've been pretty consistent at offense and been much better than they had been in the past. Belichick, you know, he he is very afraid to go outside of the building, but it does feel like this time that's what they need to do. They do need to hire somebody to come in that's from the outside to help run this offense and bring it up to, you know, bring it up to speed a bit because it's just it's fucking anemic. Yeah. Uh, also, when you mentioned when you mentioned Saban's name, it was actually kind of spooky. So one, there's already reports that potentially King, Cliff Kingsbury would go to there, or or to Belichick's uh, offense. So those are the two the two things that are being named, the two places that are being named, and that's kind of interesting that those two are in tandem as you mentioned them. Also, as you were mentioning Saban's name, I kid you not, the the camera on the championship game panned to the booth where they're doing the halftime show. Guess who was sitting in one of the chairs? Nick Saban. Mr. Saban himself. That was, that, that's, that's cosmic. That's cosmic timing by you to mention his name. So you must be, you must have like sensed his presence or something. Cause that, that was really funny. And I almost, I tried very hard not to laugh. Hey, was, hey I just, I just sensed that he was upset about NIL. That's, that's all. That's <laughs> is all. That, is that what he's going to get on halftime and complain about? He's not going to talk about the game. Yeah. He's, he, like, he's just going to be like, you know, these kids, you know, they're just not getting an education. <laughs> he's just, just going to complain about his disciple Kirby getting all these titles now. Pretty much, I think. So, <laughs> I mean, George is about. I mean, look, the way it's going right now, George is Lord. probably going to, on the precipice of of doing back to back, which is really freaking hard to do in college football. Like that's really, really untenable in this day and age, especially with the college football playoff. So. Sidebar, sidebar. Stetson Bennett's an all time college quarterback if he wins, right? I, I don't even think he's that great. I just think he has a lot of support around him. Like, good for him. He's cool. But, like, I mean, if you're back-to-back champion, I mean, obviously it means something. I just, I don't know. I feel like a lot of other guys could do the same thing he could. Yeah, I guess. But <laughs> Sorry. At the same, no, it's true. You're probably right. But at the same time, he, you know, he he has played pretty well in the last two seasons here. I don't know. College is different than, than the NFL. So I always kind of am curious because, you know, I don't think Stetson Bennett is going to be a starter in the NFL by any stretch of the imagination, but he could probably come in and be like a really good backup uh, is kind of my suspicion. Uh, but anyway, you know, it's pretty, it's a pretty impressive career. He's, he's also older than like half of the starters in the NFL now at <laughs> quarterback. So there's that. Um, all right, let's move on. Jeff Fisher, football guy award, Andrew, man, this was tough. It came down to the Browns and the Cowboys, but why don't you go ahead and reveal our winner? All right. Listen, it was a tough choice. It was really tough for us, but man, um, what the hell were the Cowboys doing on Sunday? What on earth what were they doing play wise? I, I don't like, I mean, I'm not sure if they weren't scoreboard watching or whatever, but it was clearly evident. Like the Eagles were probably not going to lose to the giants. And at that point I'm, I'm starting to pull my guys, but they just looked listless, man. Like, I don't even know, even with their starters in there, they just looked really out of sync. I mean, say what you will about the chargers. At least they looked like they were trying to play 
well, while their starters were in there. I don't know what the I don't know what the hell the Cowboys were doing uh, on offense, and they just looked completely out of sorts. And this, and I brought it up last week. This this Dak interception thing. It's the, it, 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 oh, it, we've it, talked it, about it. It's, uh, it's we need an to issue. Cut it out. It's yeah. a it's a big issue. He needs to cut it out because that will not fly in Tampa. You cannot do that. This is this this was ridiculous how they performed against Washington, who really just I mean you got you let Sam Howell look beat you like you let Sam Howell look better than than Carson Wentz. I I don't know what to tell you about that one. Yeah, and Major Tutty porked on you, so there's that too. Yeah, uh, yeah. it was it was awful. I I watched it and. Uh, my fiance was like, I thought the Cowboys were good. I'm like, not against the condoms. Uh, it was it was a bad, bad beat. But uh, speaking of bad beat, Andrew, uh, bad beats, what was the worst, toughest beat of the week? I mean, toughest way to end your season, the Green Bay Packers. I, I they they looked lost. They looked they looked lost on offense. Defensively, they made some bad errors. Quay Walker, I don't how okay. How in the world, if you're Quay Walker, can you push a medical professional out of the way from doing his job while tending to a to player injury? Of all the weeks to do that, this week you chose to do that? <laughs> like, read the room, my guy. I cannot, be- <laughs> I, 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 I cannot believe the audacity he had to do that. Um, the offense was listless. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, at some point, I almost want these receivers to start getting after Rodgers because he's been getting after them all year, and I don't think it's done any good for their psyche or their development. I, I'm I'm sick of it, man. He he did not have a good year. He no. didn't throw for 300 yards once this entire year. I know. Not once. That's a crazy He's the only stat. starter that started every game that didn't throw us for 300 yards once. He had, he had a poor QBR. He just looked – I mean, I think I, – I said it last night to my friend. Th- I think this was his worst season as a pro, and I feel like there was just no accountability taken for it. It was just, oh, well, it's everyone else's fault around me. Like, yeah, he, he did not play well. Coaching staff let him down. Joe Barry, defensive coordinator, not not good. Like, they got to do something about that. Matt LaFleur didn't do any favors either, but I, I'm really – the whole operation just fell so flat yesterday. And, look, I like the, what the Lions did. Of course, I'm really happy for them, and I think they played their asses off, regardless of the circumstances, which was kind of funny because all the Seahawks fans were complaining that wasn't going to happen after they realized they were going to play. Dude, have you ever watched a Dan Campbell press conference? This team doesn't know anything except how to play hard. That's all they do every single week. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I kind of feel like it's a there's a change in that division now. Like the Lions, like, you know, they didn't make the playoffs, but they were by far, I think, by far the best NFL team not to make the playoffs this year. Like, can you imagine them playing San Francisco instead of uh, the Seahawks? That, you know, that one is definitely one where you're like, oh, the Lions, I'll I'll pick them to cover. Maybe not to win, but I'll pick them to cover, you know? Like, they're frisky as fuck. Uh, but I love that they played hard and they won the ball game and their players were super excited about it. And uh, I forget the name of the running back's name, but he got all emotional because his grandfather passed and stuff jamal williams yeah jamal yeah. williams so you know like I, I think going into next year these guys are going to come back you know already you know at you know full charge ready to get back at it and the the packers i don't know you know i don't know if it's aaron's last game with the packers i, I don't know what happens but uh what you think of mr rogers at the end of the game i i just i i i mean his reaction i think was normal emotional 
reasoning to try and figure out in his own head if he was going to come back or not. That's not going to be decided for months. I mean, he's going to go, he's going to go on his ayahuasca trip and, you know, spiritually, mentally, physically, I don't know. He's going to go somewhere and figure it out, but it's going to take a while before he even figures this out. But as a team, I mean, at some point you have to answer the Jordan love question, right? Like you got to just get it on with it at some point. And it's starting to become like the far situation where it's like this guy just keeps dragging his feet. And in my opinion, honestly, I think this is different from the, this is different than the Tom Brady situation. Tom Brady left new England because as we've seen with Bill Belichick and this offensive staff of late, they're not interested in putting pieces around their quarterback. They're just not. And that pissed Tom off. And I get it. I totally understand it. I think there's plenty of skill position talent around Aaron. I don't think that's, I, I think, I, I don't think that's the problem. I think he just refuses to use it and by his own standards and their offensive install is not good for what they have right now. Like that's, that's really what bothers me. I, I just, they've, they've got, someone's going to have to play, play a game of chicken in the off season. And it's probably going to be both Aaron and the organization, but there's, I mean, I, I, I don't think he's going to retire because I think he's too competitive and there's also too much money on the table. Let's not forget about that too. <laughs> Obviously that's a big factor in this as well, but as a team, I, I just, I, he doesn't have the leverage that he did before. Obviously he had every bit of leverage last off season. You know, he really coming up back to back MVP seasons. Of course you f- feel like you can do whatever you want. The, 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 the picture is starting to change a little bit here. Yeah. I, I definitely think he comes back, whether that's with the Packers or not, that remains to be seen. But I think, I think he'll be back. You know, this is, this is exactly what Favre watch was like back in 2009 that era okay like i remember farv watch okay <laughs> it's the same fucking thing and i know there's people watching football now that probably don't even remember that i remember it's the same fucking story okay um so whether he's on green bay or not that remains to be seen but he'll be playing next year there's just too much money i i don't i don't think aaron Rodgers' is dave Chappelle and is gonna leave 60 60 million dollars on the table i just don't see it Andrew, that was the awards. That was super fun. Let's go ahead and get into the wild card weekend. Uh, all right. Chris Bourbon primetime game. Uh, you know, these were kind of hard to pick, but I, I thought this one was kind of the most primetimey of, of, the, of the group here. There's a lot of weird games here, actually. Sunday night, Ravens at Bengals. Bengals are favored by six and a half over under 30. Uh, excuse me, 43 and a half. What do you like here? There's so much mystery surrounding this game and right. it's all around one person is like Lamar Jackson has to announce his presence at some point. I think in my opinion, if he plays, I think the Ravens have a chance to cover because I do believe he, he changes that offense significantly. I know he hasn't played for a while, but I think he does add an element that is good for the Ravens if they want to consider covering this game. And they probably didn't show all their, their tricks against the Bengals this past weekend. They probably, they, they rested a lot of starters and they knew that they didn't need to put in that much effort. So I think this game will be closer, but it really is contingent on whether Lamar plays or not. If he doesn't, I mean, yeah, I'm taking the Bengals to cover because they've been playing extremely well down the stretch. I think they had a great chance to be Buffalo. We saw them come out with their hair on fire in that first quarter before, you know, everything kind of went down the can, but they, 
they have it really it's hard for me to pick this game because I need to know what the status of Lamar is. That's really the biggest question mark surrounding. So my my contingency for you is I pick the Ravens to cover if he plays. If he doesn't, I'm taking the Bengals to cover. But again, that line's going to shift around. So it's really it's really up to you depending on how you read the injury report. That's really the biggest thing here. And as far as the over under goes, um I I guess I mean if if I'm going to if I'm going to go ahead and take a stab at it, I think Lamar plays. So I think the Ravens cover it. And in that case, I would take the over. But there's so much mystery around this. Right. I think in whatever scenario you want to set up, I think the Bengals cover and I like the under. Uh, even if Lamar comes back, I, it's been a lot of weeks off. Um, I did read, I'm not sure if you saw this, he did practice somewhat today. But as far as how much, you know, what limit there was, Seemed a little, you know, uh, wasn't quite clear. Um, and like you said, Lamar is a bit of a mystery. You know, he doesn't really talk to, to people too much. He, he doesn't do ads. You know, he, he's he kind of keeps to himself. So we don't really know. The co- head coach seems frustrated, but he doesn't know either. So we don't really know who we're going to get. Uh, we didn't see Huntley on Sunday. I suspect that's who's going to play, to be honest with you. I don't think we see Lamar. Mm. Um but in either either case, I think this Bengals team is hot, and I'll just go ahead and give my hot take. I think we're going to see them back in the Super Bowl again, representing wow. the AFC. Yep, I think they're going to be back in it again. Uh, all I needed to see was the Joe Burrow uh, thing I sent you where he said, the window is my career. That's all I needed to know. That's all uh, I needed to know. Yeah, that's that, that's a hell of a hot take. I, I am not as gun-ho on that prediction, but I like your gumption. And, you know, yeah, but he's right, though. I mean, his window is open as long as he believes it, as long as he gets people to, to follow him. Yeah. I think he's, he's absolutely opened the window. I just don't think they're going to strike this year, maybe next year, but I, 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 well, I'll get into it later. I'll, I'll tell you who I'm still picking, but I, 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 it's hard for me to bet against Joe too, though. I'll say that he makes me think about it. Okay. I'll, I'll say this. I, whatever team makes it from the AFC, it'll definitely either be the Bengals, Bills, or Chiefs, and whoever one of those three makes it has to have beaten two, the two other teams. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, yeah. it goes through those three teams. So whoever ends up in the Super Bowl will have beaten the two other teams I just mentioned in that group of three. And it just has to be that way. So uh, don't yeah. be battle-tested. There's no doubt about that, whoever makes it out of the AFC. Yeah, if you're an AFC opponent and you're getting to the Super Bowl, you've gone to the gauntlet. <laughs> yeah, you've gone through those teams for sure. You have to. Um, all right, let's go ahead and go to our next one. Uh, call this one upset on Dagobah. You know, it looks like it's an easy upset, but don't get Jedi mind tricked. Sunday, Giants at Vikes. Vikes are favored by three, Andrew. Over under 48 and a half. That sure is a lot. What do you like here? Uh, I, I like the fact that basically the Vikings are going to play with a leprechaun again because that's what's going <laughs> to happen here. I think we should all just accept that right now. Look. This team went 13 and five and had a minus three point differential. That's insane. That is absolutely insane that they got away with that this entire year. And they're probably going to get away with it again this time. But uh, that three is that three is really tricky. I think it could be a push, but I do like the bite. If you could, I, I do like the, the Giants. If it goes to three and a half, I absolutely 100 million percent take the Giants to cover. I think they're going to have some things for this team. Uh, they played them extremely close last time. 
This was just what three weeks ago that they played each other in Minnesota. Not too not too far off. So this is another matchup, recent matchup. I'm definitely taking the under this game. Are you kidding me? Like this is no, I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored here. This is this is going to be a, a drag out fight. I do think the the Vikings ultimately win, but I really like the Giants cover here. And if it, but it, it it is contingent. I will say if they manage to push it up to three and a half, that's kind of my only that's my only fear about it because that three does kind of scare me a little bit. I didn't look this up, Andrew, but for our fellow degenerates out there, if you can find lines on like the first half for the Giants, maybe take them to cover there because I think it's going to be close in that first half. Giants mm. might even go into halftime like being ahead. I could see that. Yeah. But but like you said, the Vikings have that lucky leprechaun and they should not be invited to Vegas. And the other thing that really just, you know, really bothers me today, Andrew, is <laughs> too many people are on the Giants. It's too much. Too many people are on the Giants. And that makes me think, okay, well, if there's, you know, sometimes that, that can happen, right? And then it turns out to be that way. I don't know. There's just red flag for me. So I'm going to take the Vikings even though it's, uh, I feel awful doing it. I just do. I, I can't. I can't. Yeah. Anyway, Vikings, I guess, in the under for sure. That's just too many points. I'm surprised that. If you actually look at all the lines, Andrew, that's the one with the highest point total. I, that one surprises me. And there's another yeah. one coming up that I think for sure goes over that number, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, next one, ESPN first take bowl. Uh, these are the two most first takey teams of all time, Andrew. It's Bucks at Cowboys Sunday night. Cowboys are favored by three over under 45 and a half. Who do you like here? Uh, is this the game that's going to split undisputed in half? Because it might. <laughs> and this this might end it all. Does Skip get fired? We got to talk about Skip at the end of the pod. Actually, we got to talk yeah, about we, that. Oh yeah, we do. Uh, <laughs> look, this is a horrendous matchup for the Cowboys. Oh And yeah. the reasoning being is this: I know the Bucks have not played that well this season. I know they've had issues on the offensive line. I know they've had inconsistencies with chemistry between the receivers and Brady. I know. There's been times that maybe their defense hasn't upheld themselves. But listen, you're going to Tampa. You're playing Tom Brady and the and the Cowboys. Like, it really bums me out because I think they actually have a, a really good team in place and a team that should contend. But there are just too many mitigating factors that I think are going to pull the wheels off this operation. And I think it's going to either be Dak turning the ball over or it's going to be Mike McCarthy being Mike McCarthy. And <laughs> they're, 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 I just I can't. It's too. It, there's two cosmic factors in here that I just can't seem to go with, and I don't want to go against. Um, or excuse me, I don't want to go against these two cosmic factors because it just scares me that the Cowboys are are playing against Tom Brady. It really does. So, I yeah, I, I have to believe that the Bucks absolutely cover here at least, at least cover. And I think that in this case, I'm probably taking. I'm taking the over because I think the Cowboys are going to get desperate and throw a lot. But what's going to happen is, is they might turn the ball over, might result in a score. You know, I think Brady's going to get some short fields. I do think we're going to see some points early on in this game. I don't think there's going to be as much defense as maybe some people are anticipating. Yeah, uh, this is my lock of the week. Bucks straight up in the over. I think Bucks uh, win, and I think it's for exactly of your fears. Uh, Dak's going to turn it over. He's going to turn it over. And say what you will about Brady. I know a lot of people think he's had a bad season and all that. Yeah, statistically, he's been terrible. I think if you evaluate the situation, it is, it's a terrible situation for Brady. But they've managed to win the division. 
They got some guys back now. They've been looking a lot better the last couple of weeks. I can still tell he looks super frustrated sometimes, but they got enough to win this game. And uh, here's what I'm counting on, Andrew. The Cowboys are going to turn the ball over on offense, and they're not going to generate enough pressure on Brady. And I think Brady's going to have enough time to do what he needs to do, um, you know, to hit some big plays. And, and like you said, he's going to get those short fields. He'll take advantage of that. So, yeah, I like the Bucks big time here. I think it'll be a bit of a shootout, but like you said, those turnovers I think are going to kill the Cowboys in the end. Yeah. No, they are. Yep. All right. Next one, a little controversial, but before we get into that, Andrew, uh, the Shakey's Bowl, our annual favorite. Do you want to tell some of our listeners who may be joining us for the first time or don't know what Shakey's Bowl is? So the Shakey's Bowl is a uh, title and denomination that was made by Bill Simmons on his podcast, and it was about his annual trip to Shakey's Pizza Parlor in, I believe it was Los Angeles, if I'm not mistaken. And they would always watch a game, a wild card game on Saturday. It usually be on a Saturday. It'd be like probably the first game of the weekend. And typically it always seemed to involve the Houston Texans or some AFC South winning team. And it would always just be the most sloppy, egregious, like not – enjoyable to watch football game of the entire wild card weekend. It would always just be a really sloshy game and it would never be that fun to watch. This is the thing that happens every year. I, I think, I still think the pinnacle was bills Texans a few years ago. Like that oh, was yeah. the pre that was like the creme de la creme of shakies of shakies bowls. And it seems like every year we get one of these. Um, and so uh, I have my opinions about this, but you seem to have deemed my team in being a part of the Shakey's Bowl this year. I do not agree with that assessment because, one, they're putting it in prime time, so I don't believe that qualifies it to be in Shakey's Bowl territory. And second, I believe Vikings-Giants is going to be even weirder. So in my opinion, that's the Shakey's Bowl, but I'll let you go ahead and describe why you think this is a Shakey's Bowl game. Sure. So the matchup is Saturday night, Chargers at Jags. Chargers are favored by one over under 47 and a half. So when I originally wrote up our script here, Andrew, I had the Cowboys, Bucks, and the and the Vikings and Giants in the Shakey's Bowl, but I thought that's too many games to be the Shakey's. <laughs> there can only be one. There has to be one. There can only be one. <laughs> so I had to pick one, and look, I have to, you know, initially I was not going to put them in here because I thought, Look, after last week, man, this, this Chargers team is hot, okay? Staley's starting to do smart things finally. You know, we gave him a we, – we we actually gave him a bold strategy cotton award, okay? He was he was starting to do some things like, okay, I, I see it. You know, you had Peterson. He, he held, He's done a, a very good job this year with the Jags, okay? They're in the playoffs. They won the division. They did their job. And then week 18 happened, Andrew. And what was your boy doing? He was playing all the starters when there was no reason to. And Mike Williams got hurt. Now, I think he gets lucky. Uh, from what I understand, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mike Williams is, is looking like he's going to play. So we're okay there. But it, it didn't look good in the moment, that's for sure. And the Jags were bad in that Titans game. They they really got lucky that the uh, – the defense actually rose to the occasion a bit and got a couple turnovers in the key in the key moment of the game. But you know, our guy Variable, he did his thing. He covered as he, you know, kind of typically has been doing this season. So I don't know. This Jags team kind of worries me. 
I'm, I was already worried about Doug Peterson, and then now with your boy doing what he did, I, I get the feeling those two guys are going to do some stupid shit, and that's why I kind of put them in the shakies bowl. But I see what you're saying with the Vikings and the 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 Giants. It, that one could, could go upside down really quick. It really feels like it could. But uh, to go back onto this one, look, I'm going to come out of the woodwork and just say a couple things. Uh, I'm going to reference the... South Park movie and the song Blame Canada. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna change, change it in my own tune and say Blame Spanos because I'm I'm gonna go ahead and just say the organization Jedi mind tricked Brandon Staley into doing that because there, I don't have any other ex- explanation for that or why no one told him not to do that. Like that, I, I think that was an organizational failure. Like that that to me was a, a structural failure overall. I, I have no idea who in the world let him make that decision. Like getting live reps for your players at the first quarter. Eh, fine. I get yeah, it. I they get haven't played too. much together. But like after that, yes, they should have all been taken out. I'm I'm mystified by what that decision was. But he's probably gonna get lucky and have most of these guys healthy for the game. I personally believe this game's gonna be a shootout. So I'm taking the Chargers straight up in this game, and I'm also taking the over. I'll probably get burned ultimately, because why should I have faith in anybody? But I I I I just I don't know. I, I think this team is going to finally let some things loose. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to do some things in this game. I think this game is going to be really wild on Saturday night, but I, yeah. maybe, I, maybe I'm just reading the wrong tea leaves. I like the Chargers too. I, I think they cover and they win. A point is not a lot. I, I, I do think they cover that. Uh, I think it gets really close to that 47 and a half. I just don't think they get quite over it. But yeah, I, I think this will be the, the game with the most points scored. There's no doubt about it. Um, except for maybe that Cowboys and Bucks game, that one could be pretty close too. But yeah, I expect a lot of points to be covered. I do expect both defenses to make some plays, Andrew. That Jags defense could be a little feisty sometimes. Your Chargers team still has Derwin James, who does you know he does one special play almost per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I expect the defenses to do some things too. But yeah, this you know this should be a very competitive game. Uh, but yeah, I like the Chargers. Uh, I just, I, I just think uh, right now Herbert's the better player, and I think they just have the better squad. Yeah. All right. I hate to do this, but these are Montezuma's specials. I was gonna call it Montezuma's black bean platter. I was trying to come up with all these creative names, Andrew, but Montezuma's special is is perfect. Uh, we got two games here, and look, these I'm sure are watchable, but based on the lines, I, I think we know how these are gonna go. Saturday, Seahawks at 49ers. 49ers are favored by 10, Andrew, over under 43 points. What do you like here? Uh, look, I, I am happy for the Seahawks that they got into this game. <laughs> it's it's nice. It's a nice consolation. I mean, what a what an ultimate what yeah. an absolute dunking on Russell Wilson. Oh, you yeah. you fished a top five pick out of the Broncos. You swindled them and you got the better quarterback play this year and you got a playoff spot. Like that is the ultimate trophy in their situation. That is everything going correctly for them. That is amazing. Uh, that being said, this 49ers <laughs> team is too good, man. Yeah, like they're, they they're going to, I think they're going to boat race them. I they're going to, their defense is outstanding, especially at home. They're going to be able to rush and, and pressure, you know, quite a bit in this game. I think, look, we got to give it up to Brock Purdy, man. I know he can't win the award, but I would, I would allow someone to argue for rookie of the year for him because he has been playing out of his mind since he became the starter. And it's crazy to see him assume this much, this is a much position. Also, they finally figured out how to use George Kittle. And I'm so happy to see Kittle 
finally getting his due after all this time. It's great to see him basically get a touchdown a game. Uh, we'll see what the set also keeping my eyes on Debo Samuel. That's another player I'm kind of keeping my eyes on, but honestly, I don't even think they need him in this game. Like they've got plenty of enough weapons. They probably don't even need to use him in this game. I think they're fine. This is going to be an easy romp at home. Yeah. It would have been more fun to have the Lions in this game, but look, they lost the wrong game to the wrong team. And so that's, that's why the Seahawks are here. But I do think this is going to be an easy win for the 49ers. And I'm probably going to go ahead and take the over because I just think the 49ers are going to put up at least 30 on this team. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I got the 49ers covering this pretty easily. And and I think they do go over simply because they're going to put at least 30 on this Seahawks team. Look, give Pete Carroll credit, okay? He he He's a Hall of Fame coach, and he just gave us the middle finger, Andrew. We were shitting <laughs> on him so hard last year. And look, rightfully so. At the time, rightfully so, but man, talk about the fuck you tour. Pete Carroll's had actually, I think, maybe one of the most underrated fuck you tours I can remember in a long time. Yeah. He was giving us all the finger all year long. So the fact that he got his team here, commendable. And and look, they got, like you said, they fleeced the Broncos for those assets. And, you know, they're going to be interesting to watch for the next couple of years. Uh, I hope we see Geno Smith back there next year, and I hope they give him some more support, some more players. They keep developing, and maybe they're a more dangerous team next year. Uh, Seahawks, great story. Uh, but like you said, I'm with the 49ers, and I'll go ahead and give my next hot take. We'll see the 49ers in the Super Bowl this year versus the Bengals. Uh, like you said, with this Brock Purdy kid, uh, you know, I th- who do you think is going to get coach of the year? Let me, let me go there. Who's, who's going to get coach of the year? I think Dable's ultimately going to get it because getting that Giants team into the playoffs is a flipping miracle. I cannot believe that team got into the playoffs considering all the pieces that he had around him and in that division too. I mean, he was in a really, really tough division and he managed to squeeze his way in. He got some very key wins at the right time. That team played hard every single week. I, I wanted to give it to Mike Tomlin. Unfortunately, not making the playoffs is going to probably disqualify him, but he also did an incredible job too. I can I, I cannot believe he got them above 500, but I'm I would vote for Dayball personally. I think he's done an outstanding job. But there's there were a lot of good coaching jobs actually. For him, <laughs> there was many times we put people on the Anthony Lynn Express this year and Jeff Fisher Award and all that. I, there were some really outstanding coaches this year. I, I'm pretty impressed by some of the head by it's also the first year head coaches. My God, they, a lot of them were able to get a lot of their teams in the playoffs. Pretty remarkable, honestly. Look, there's a, I think this year I'll remember it a lot for the great coaching. Like you said, you, you have Dable. He's probably going to get it and he should, cause his team got to the playoffs. Okay. You have Tomlin. I mean, this guy has never had a losing season. Andrew, He's never had a losing season. It's incredible. Uh, should be the figurehead for why you should hire a black coach, right? Look at how great he's been. Uh, our guy Rabes, he was very close to making the playoffs, Andrew, with 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 scrap heap. Joshua yeah. Dobbs was his, was his quarterback. He he was brought in 17 days prior to playing his last game. Okay, so he had a great year. Uh, we just talked about Pete Carroll. He had a great year. The reason why I ask this question is maybe maybe Kyle Shanahan should get this award because think about this. He he's went he's on his third quarterback who's a rookie, but they drafted this quarterback that fit the system. They coached him up, they got him ready, and now they are steamrolling. 
towards the Super Bowl, I think. And if yeah. he wins the Super Bowl with the rookie doing this, I mean, what can't he do? So I, I think that that's an impressive coaching job that he's gotten that rookie ready. So I know I, I spent a lot of time on that, but I, it's I think it's I think it's very underrated, undervalued, and I've heard a lot about uh, on the on the talk shows today about you know who who's the best coach of the year or who's you know all that stuff. And there's a lot of great candidates, like you said, but I, I think it's a very underrated what he's done with Brock Purdy. It, it's it's insane. Yeah, it really is. All right, last one here. I think this one is also an easy one. So, uh, Sunday, Dolphins at Bills. Bills are favored by ten and a half over under 44 and a half. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> how close do you think the Bills are, the the Finns can get to that 10 and a half? Um, <laughs> well, I think this is the equivalent of the Dolphins walking in the, into the door and then walking right back out because uh, this is not going to last long. This, no. this is, this is going to be a boat race. Uh, it's supposed to be 12 degrees <laughs> on Sunday, oh, so boy. Ha- have fun with that. Um, look, the quarterback situation has been a mess. I'm it's a bummer that the dolphins actually kind of backed their way into the playoffs. Uh, right. and, and they only got it because they played against a listless jets offense. I mean, that's really the only reason why I not saying the Steelers would have been much of a better choice, but I think oh, they would have played better in this game. That would have been uh, a fun game. I think, I think it would have been better. I think yeah. that Steelers team that played in Buffalo a couple months ago is not the same team, but as it stands, look, the bills, have all the emotion going through them right now. And I think they're going to be a little more settled down now that they know DeMar's, DeMar's okay. I think they're going to just be able to run their offense and do what they need to. So I feel pretty confident about their ability to play this game the way they need to and, and not going to be even close to what it was the last two times. I think they're going to run them out of the building. And I definitely am going to go ahead and take the over here because I think they're going to put an absolute whooping on this Dolphins team. Yeah, I, I'm 100% agreement. I think they're going to slap the shit out of the Dolphins, which is it's a bummer because say what you will about Mike McDaniel, but he did he he was able to get them to the playoffs in the first year, and I think a lot of that, you know, backdoor stuff that you're talking about is really just injury related, and I, I think he had a good thing going. Obviously, he's first year head coach. He he's done some pretty dumb boneheaded things too, but look, they I think if they can get healthy and stuff like that, they have a they have a good thing going. I'm just very concerned about Tua, obviously. Um, I I hope he doesn't play, not because I don't want the you know Dolphins to lose or I don't want them to have a chance. I just, I'm really worried about him at this point. Like, I don't know that he should be out there. It's very disconcerting. Uh, but yeah, I don't see how, I don't see how the Dolphins even get close to 10 and a half. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. But uh, this Bills team, I will say, is my Super Bowl pick, and it still will be. I'm still going with them in the AFC. I just think there's there's a lot of things going on this year for them. Obviously, um, a lot of some ups and downs. Obviously, a lot of uh, huge emotional swings. Obviously, but I I, I still got to pick them and stay with them as my team of destiny. And I still also have to stay in the NFC. I think I'm gonna have to go with those 49ers too. I wanted to say that earlier. I, I, I like what the Eagles did a lot this year. I was really impressed by them. But this 49ers team, man, like, I, I would absolutely hate to play them at home. They're also really peaking would. at the right time. They got everybody back. This Eagles team, they feel a little banged up. Hurts. You know, look, he won them the ball game. Don't get me wrong. But he looked like he was struggling a little bit out there. So they're a little banged up. 
Uh, I really am worried about if they can't get pressure on the 49ers, if they do eventually play each other. I do worry about that, and yeah, I I, I do worry about this Eagles defense a bit, so I'm yeah. with you. All right, before we head out, Andrew, speaking of DeMar Hamlin and the Bills, um, obviously we're really happy with everything that happened, but of course there's one jackass out there that had to uh, say something stupid, and that's that's that old hat, uh, Skip Bayless. <laughs> and I've been wanting to talk to you about this because I wanted to know if you saw the tweet, if you saw what happened the next day, and then what happened when Chad and Sharp finally showed up um, on uh, Undisputed. I saw all of it, and I'm I'm here for all of it because I hope it leads to Skip getting canned. Now, it's not going to happen because Fox has too much money invested in him, but I do think Skip's going to get uh He's going to go so or not skip. I think Shannon's going to get to somewhere else and I think he's going to move on. But then someone someone floated out this idea. They went, well, can you imagine Ocho and Skip? And I just pretty much wanted to shut down my phone at that point. <laughs> the second I read that that could absolutely happen. But Skip, man, like he's been a degenerate his entire life. I'm sorry. This guy is a, a just like, I mean, he's he's a writer that has always been in the interest of getting a rise out of people and never really doing anything in the interest of integrity or fairness or anything. He he has ridden his entire career off being, for lack of a better word, a hater. Like, that's all he does. He's he he piggybacked off LeBron his entire life. He absolutely shoots down certain people and elevates certain other certain people that really don't. I mean, like the guy's a gigantic Baker Mayfield fan. That's all I'm going to say. But like, I, I just, you, this thing about he's, he, he, my problem with him and in general is just this thing about basically almost outright defamation of certain people that I get, that allows you to elevate your career in such a way that you don't have any accountability, especially when you're, you've never been a player. If you've never been a player, I don't think you have any accountability. And or in, or any reason to believe anything like Shannon Sharp can say something because he's been there. He's been in the middle of it. He watched his brother's career and right in front of him, you know, had a major, major injury that stopped him potentially from being a Hall of Famer. So he has every right to be upset at Skip in the way that he operates as a person and a human being. Yeah, he he's always found the right balance between being, you know, defaming somebody and then not so he's always like kind of right there right and that's his game i think he kind of just figured out very early on in the, the pre-social media era this is this is how it's done you know until people stop watching he's not gonna go away you know you and i we stopped watching a long time ago we check in once in a while just to i actually don't even think we check in really i don't have never watched the show live i think we might see a youtube clipper here but, you know, he never really says anything analytical. It's always just really, you know, hot take, you know, takes really. He, he's just saying crazy stuff. Yeah, there's a I, I think the funny thing to me is, you know, if, if you, you know, if you're defending Skip or like you're kind of confused by what he did, you know, I, I think an entire generation forgot about his Tim Tebow crusade. Like Tim Tebow was a terrible quarterback in the NFL. He was terrible. And Skip Payless, like, stayed on the ship even when the ship was on the bottom with the Titanic. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, he, he's never really had any legitimacy with me. I think the fact that even some professional athletes see him as legitimate is kind of amazing to me. But, 
Yeah, you know, I think the day that Skip Bayless gets fired, it probably won't even be a firing. It'll probably be his contract runs out and we don't hear from him again. That That's probably it. But, yeah, I mean, of course Skip Bayless said something awful. You know, of course. What did you expect? Not much else, honestly. Yeah. I really didn't. Yeah, <laughs> not, not, not much else. Um, but... Uh, I, I did like, uh, I don't know if you saw Michael Strahan's uh, comments on, on over the weekend, but uh, Michael Strahan, who also works for Fox, uh, he said that a, a fellow employee uh, had inhumane comments. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like, that's the best way I think you can kind of code it without, you know, saying like person's name in public. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then that, that's when you're one of the panelists, you go, Steve, our producer? <laughs> go to commercial. Go to commercial. <laughs> go to commercial. Yeah, go to commercial. I'll say if you want to find somebody who always mercilessly digs at Skip, go watch Charles Barkley. Oh, he's, not, he's the best. He's never, he's never left him alone. <laughs> he, he always talks about how he wants to murder Skip Bayless <laughs> on national television. It's the best. Oh that my God. jackass on ESPN. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, 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 you know, we still haven't done a podcast yet about you know sports media stuff but yeah it's funny those two names are like polar opposite charles barkley like that one of the most respective names in like sports broadcasting and beloved and then skip bayless like one of the most hated and like literally like has no credibility whatsoever <laughs> yeah so, complete polar opposites yeah complete polar opposites all right man this was fun as always and uh, i'm really looking forward to wild card weekend and seeing uh how things shake out <laughs> good one <laughs> we'll see we'll see who's right about our shakies bowl predictions yeah we'll see all right man i'll see you at shakies <laughs> see you there see ya <laughs>